wise people know that Elvis died, but some, some, some people think that Elvis is In 1991, is Elvis alive this week on this was a thing? Thank you very much. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we're looking at the Elvis Files. Uh-huh. This was a thing because, let's be honest, people weren't able to handle Elvis Presley's sudden death in 1977. After he died, there were tons of books written about his life. There were even some written about his death. Rather, his faking his death. See, there were people out there that decided that it was up to them to prove Elvis was still alive, and that he may have been keeping some secrets. This television special was produced to show some dramatic evidence to prove that Elvis was more than just the king of rock and roll. Much more. I had never heard about this television special before, but I have been around Elvis stuff my entire life. So full disclosure... My dad is an Elvis impersonator and has been my entire life. In fact, I wouldn't be alive today if my dad wasn't an Elvis impersonator. See, he met my mom at Six Flags Over Georgia because she worked there and he performed there in the early 80s. So if it wasn't for my dad being an Elvis impersonator, I, Raymond Michael Hebel II, would not be alive. He's accumulated a lot of Elvis stuff over the years, a lot And I've seen a ton of specials on the man Elvis himself, but I had never quite seen something like this special 
that I sat through. <laughs> it was 82 minutes, but it took me about five hours to get through the first watch, and then it took me another six hours to put this whole thing together a month later. It took me a month before I could actually go back to it. My brain literally felt fried, and I think I had to take a couple days off. I just, I can't believe some people. It's just, it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, with that, <laughs> I present The Elvis Files. Elvis Presley was a legend, beloved by millions. But the circumstances surrounding his death have been shrouded in mystery. Tonight, for the first time, dramatic new evidence that proves that Elvis Presley was more than the king of rock and roll. Much more. All right, so The Elvis Files was a show that was broadcast on television in 1991. And it features numerous conspiracy theories about whether Elvis Presley faked his own death. And it starts off by explaining the five theories that we will dive deeper into. Now, mind you, there was a lot more than these five theories, but I just went with these. So number one was, what secret business was Elvis conducting with two American presidents, Richard Nixon and Jimmy Carter? Wait a minute, why didn't he do anything with Gerald Ford? Gerald Ford came between the two of them. Well, him and Nixon were in simpatico. Oh, I see. Number two, why was his middle name misspelled on his grave? Three, who is the mysterious man in a photo that was taken at Elvis's house four months after he passed? Four, whose voice is on a mysterious phone call captured in 1981? And five, why is Elvis's name found on over 1,400 FBI documents? And why are some still classified? <laughs> this was mind-numbing to watch, but I'll break down these theories as best as I can and tell you about few of these interesting folks who all seem like they just can't cope with death very well. The show was hosted by Bill Bixby. You may remember him as Dr. David Banner, not Bruce Banner, from the Incredible Hulk TV show in the 80s. He was the ying to Lou Ferrigno's yang. Earlier in Bixby's career, he had done two films with Elvis, Clambake and Speedway, I'll tell you, Elvis movies have the weirdest names. They ended up becoming friends, so it was only natural that Bill would host something like this. But it's also telling in some ways. The show was produced and prominently features a woman named Gail Brewer Giorgio. She is something else to this woman, Gail Brewer Giorgio. I'm going to refer to her as Gail pretty much throughout this whole fucking thing. Uh, she wrote two books about Elvis faking his own death, one called The Elvis Files, which is where the show gets its name from, and Is Elvis Alive? This woman had to have made a fortune preying on people who were mourning the loss of Elvis. This whole fucking show just makes me angry. Uh, Bill Bixby reminds the audience numerous times to view the program with an open mind. But goddammit, Bill, I'm pretty open-minded, and this is just ludicrous. Okay, before I get into the five points they want to make, let me give you a brief background of our ingenue, Gail. Now, Gail, you are the person most responsible for this uh, controversial issue of whether Elvis Presley is alive or dead. Now, her story is a fascinating one, and no matter what you believe, it is a story worth telling. Gail got involved in the Elvis conspiracy game in a very odd way. You see, Gail had written a book called Orion. 
It was about a famous, fictitious person who faked their own death to escape fame. Now, once it was published, she got a call saying that the book had mysteriously disappeared from bookstores. Once they were gone, they were never replenished, which Gail says is a very strange business practice. Repeated calls to the publisher were ignored, and the calls left unanswered. While Gail was investigating her disappearing books, many Elvis fans were pondering Elvis's death and pointed out many discrepancies to Gail. That's when Gail decided to take all this information and write The Elvis Files. And from then, it was on. Now, let's get into these five points they want to make to prove Elvis could still be alive. Number one. What secret business was Elvis conducting with two American presidents, Jimmy Carter and Richard Nixon? So its big reveals were that in December 1970, Elvis was flying to D.C. and writing a letter to President Nixon en route. He'd met with Nixon's VP Spiro Agnew, a great man, in Palm Springs, and voiced his concern for the current America. Elvis said that the drug culture, the hippie elements, the SDS, Black Panther, etc., do not consider him as their enemy, or as they call it, the establishment, or as Elvis called it, America. Okay, 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 I'm with you. Elvis volunteered to become a federal agent, saying that his contacts with the youth culture would allow him to access worlds that other undercover agents could never dream of penetrating. So he's going to be a mole. Yes. Nixon then met with Elvis and gave him credentials that he wanted, a presidential appointment to be a DEA officer. Seriously. Why the fuck did he do that? (laughs) Some people thought it was essentially for Elvis to play make-believe, For him to live out his DEA LARPing fantasy, because that's what Elvis does. He had received many honorary law enforcement credentials and was convinced that he had unique services that he could offer this country. It has been verified that Elvis allowed an undercover agent to infiltrate his road crew from 1974 to 1976. So that was sneaky of you, Elvis. What was this secret agent investigating, the show asks. Here's Gail insisting that Elvis was a DEA agent. All right, Gail, what do you think of all this? Well, there is no doubt about it. Elvis Presley was a federal agent. His power and clout went to the White House. President Nixon made his appointment. We also know by records that Elvis Presley received a call from President-elect Jimmy Carter at the end of 1976, and President Carter wanted to appoint Elvis to a special commission in the Carter administration. Another call was placed by the FBI between President Carter and Elvis on August 15, 1977. Elvis's name is listed in the Justice Department's Black Book as a federal agent. Plus, there's books on at Graceland that uh, seem to be clues. And during Elvis's last concert tour, he, he made some very strange remarks on stage. He would, it, it sounded like he was saying goodbye. He would say things like, I am, and I was. And he also said to the audience, he said, I may not look good tonight, but I will look good in my coffin. Spooky, huh? So around this same time, Elvis had become immersed in writings about human spirituality and religion. The show says that Elvis was able to keep both sides secret to the general public. His spiritual life was kept a secret because he wanted to keep it that way. He had to keep his undercover life a secret because he had to keep it that way. 
but I'm going to call bullshit on one of these things because everyone knew Elvis was religious. That was never a question. He won Grammys for gospel recordings. He didn't win any records for rock and roll. It's all gospel. Unless religion he was reading was a dark magic type shit because if that was the case, tell me about that fucking side of Elvis Gale. I don't care about, oh, he's spiritual. No, was he fucking doing seances? Was he fucking killing goats in fucking Graceland? I want to know about that shit. Uh, Gail, you're killing me. The mention of Jimmy Carter is that Elvis contacted him in early 1977 saying that it was an urgent matter. Moving on. Let's get to number two of the shit. <laughs> Fitting, huh? Number two. You're so upset about this. I can't stand this. It's just ridiculous. Why was his middle name misspelled on his grave? His full name was Elvis Aaron Presley. <sighs> Aaron was his middle name, with two A's. That's how it's spelled on his grave. Well, fans know better than the Elvis Presley estate, and his middle name was A-R-O-N. Aaron, with one A, which proves he's alive, right? Because they spelled his name wrong, so therefore he's not in the grave. Gail explains that Elvis was born an identical twin, and his brother, Jesse Guerin, died at birth. Gail says, with great deliberation, Elvis's parents named him Elvis A-R-O-N, so that Elvis would know that Aaron was from Garen. From the time that Elvis could spell, he signed his name A-R-O-N. All legal documents say A-R-O-N. So why is the grave misspelled with Aaron? As you know, Elvis was was steeped heavily in numerology. That by adding another A to his name, he changed the vi changed the vibrations of his letters, and he would have been a higher spiritual number. He would have gone up to a nine. Does, is she fully aware that the man is dead and he couldn't have made his tombstone? But no, because oh, she, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. So he would have been behind the misspelling, and therefore. He can be. He can feel okay with putting. Oh, because it's not really his name. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's not the correct name. So after Gail gives us the steeped in numerology line, you cut to Bill Bixby on camera wiping away a smile from his face, a smile that literally says very clearly, "Get a load of these fucking wackos." So after Bill wipes that smile away, he goes back to being the pro that he is and asks Gail. Isn't it possible that in the haste of putting Elvis to rest, some innocent mistakes were made? Which, yes, isn't that possible? Yes. Well, Gail says, oh, I think the key word Beal is haste. <laughs> Why the haste in having such a grand funeral? And I believe that a lot of these so-called quote-unquote mistakes are clues. Number three. Who is the mysterious man in a photo that was taken at Elvis's house four months after he passed? A real estate agent, probably, trying to sell the place. Then they introduce us to Mike Joseph. Mike was a fan of Elvis and visited Graceland, which was Elvis's home, on New Year's Eve 1977, only a few months after Elvis passed. Elvis passed in August. He took a number of photos on this trip. Now, here's Mike explaining what he found. Had the pictures developed and uh, looked at them, put them away. One day after reading a book, I decided to look at my pictures again. I, I pulled them out. And this time, I saw something in one of the pictures that I hadn't seen. My God, I had Elvis Presley sitting in the doorway. 
looking out at the fans walking past his grave. So he took a photo of Elvis's house. Like his pool house. And in the doorway is Elvis. I mean, the picture, it's from 91, so the picture's not that clear on this, but like there's a face. <laughs> it's like when people see... Like Jesus on yeah, toast. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Virgin Mary. Well, by God, Mike had gotten a picture of Elvis. He had the photo sent to Kodak, and they said they weren't tampered with at all. So that's proof. That's proof that Elvis... That's proof Elvis was there. Yeah, hello. That's proof. <laughs> now, Bill asks Gail, you know, a reasonable question. Why would Elvis be so careless to fake his own death and then return to Graceland and sit in an open doorway? Why, Gail? Gail says... Well, you have to realize the inner grounds were off-limit to tourists. A whole pool separates Mike Joseph from the pool house. Careless? Yeah. Well, presidents have been careless, too, if you remember Watergate. Okay, Gail, let's not get political. Number four. Oh, my God. This one. This one. You'll get to see Gail shine. (laughs) Whose voice is on a mysterious phone call captured in 1981? Well, there were actually two phone calls. Oh, boy. One from 1981 and another from 1988. Uh, Let me introduce you to Marie Columbus. She's the president of the oldest Elvis fan club. Oldest as in longest lasting, not a fan club of geriatrics. I just wanted to clear that up. Well, in 1981... Maria received this tape from a man in Florida named Steve Chances, who wrote the book, Elvis, where are you? (laughs) Is that like, it's, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret? Yeah, I I mean, it has to be. The mysterious tape only had Elvis's voice on it. The other side of the conversation had been edited out. Bill thinks that that's mysterious, but Maria thinks it's because the person on the other line didn't want to be recognized. I started traveling all over the world. It's been, uh, it's been enjoyable, but it's, it's been a constant battle of uh, growing beards and, and this and that to, to keep from being recognized. I think that's Bill Clinton. <laughs> I think that was Bill Clinton. That, that, does, that sounds like someone doing an Elvis impression. So what did he say? He said, I grew a beard? He says that it's been tough to grow a beard. It's been a constant battle of growing a beard and this and that to keep from getting recognized. But wait, there's another tape, but this one comes from Gail herself. Gail Papa Giorgio. Okay, this is the one that gets to make Miss Gail shine bright. So Gail says that in October of 1988, around 2.30 in the morning, she got a mysterious call to her home from a man identifying himself as Elvis Presley. Now, Gail wasn't born yesterday, realizing that it could have been an impersonator. Gail quickly asked him some questions that he was able to answer correctly. First question. Are you Raymond Michael? (laughs) Uh, What? She said that during the questioning, she was able to go to her garage and grab some recording equipment. Gail then says, and though my equipment was antiquated, I taped the call. How convenient for you, Gail. I picture like this massive, like reel to reel. She's like trying to thread. (laughs) Gail says it was an old clunky tape recorder with a suction cup that didn't stay on the phone very well. Well, let me just present Gail and Elvis's conversation. This is the actual conversation. This is the conversation between Gail and Elvis. Was Priscilla there? Uh-huh. 
Well, I mean, was she at the wedding? She was there. Is she happy about it? Well, maybe you'll be a grandfather one of these days. Well, I definitely will be part of my grandfather. You'll definitely be yeah, out? Yeah, we'll have the dust will settle and everything before then. Oh, how is the world going to react to uh, uh, Elvis Presley being a grandfather? It's only They're talking about... Lisa Marie's marriage to Danny Keogh in 1988, not the famous Michael Jackson one, because I would have loved to hear the phone call that Elvis called Gail about. When... What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So just, I want to get this straight, Gail. A stranger calls you in the middle of the night, and you were able to become alert enough to have the wherewithal to think of tough questions to ask them about Elvis and get a tape recorder? I call bullshit, Gail. I think you're a phony. Well, of course, Bill Bixby goes full journalist on Gail again and says there are three possibilities regarding the call. One, that she wrote and produced the call herself in order to sell some books. Gail says, well, I can't prove that that's not true, but I can empathetically state that it's not true. The call came to my home. I took it. I taped it. Okay, I believe that, that a call came to her home, that she took the call and And she taped taped the call. Yes. Two. She received a crank call from one of the best Elvis impersonators Bill has ever heard. He knew Elvis and knew the sound of his voice. That call could have fooled him. Congrats to your dad, Raymond Michael, for fooling Bill Bixby. Exactly. Or it was, in fact, Elvis who called was the final theory of Bill's. Unless it's a Ouija board, I don't think he's going to be calling anytime no, soon. Elvis is dead. Did she ask him anything really personal, intimate that only Elvis would know? I mean, she says that she did. So why didn't she play that? She asked the questions while she was searching for the recording equipment. So after she got the tape recorder, why didn't she ask him another personal because question? She, she had the wherewithal to get the tape recorder, but she didn't have the wherewithal She's to get a personal there question. Having a fucking kiki with the guy. Yeah, exactly. Hey, friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, Look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay. Head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Let's get to the final theory. And don't worry, I still have a couple more things to talk about after the final theory. Number five. Why is Elvis's name found on over 1,400 FBI documents, and why are some of them still classified? They're on FBI documents because J. Edgar Hoover kept massive files 
on every big celebrity, especially celebrities that he thought was, quote unquote, subversive. And that's what Elvis was. So according to record, there were more than 1,400 pages on the FBI files on Elvis, dating back to 1956 with a report on his bad attitude. So going back to what J. Edgar Hoover. So I guess bad attitude was enough for J. Edgar Hoover to uh, write it down. The last report is from 1983, six years after Elvis died, and describes the sale of a car that allegedly was once owned by Elvis. But by far the longest and most significant document covers the year from 1976 to 1982. Containing over a thousand pages, it involves a criminal investigation and a man named Frederick Peter Pro. A thousand pages? A thousand pages on this in this document. They called this Operation Fountain Pen. Luc Dion from Quebec, I'm guessing Dion is a very common name in Quebec, says he uncovered this by chance. So here's a breakdown. Elvis wanted to sell one of his planes in 1976, and his dad, Vernon, got involved in the sale. He brought a con man in by the name of Frederick Peter Pro. Pro talked Vernon into a complicated leasing agreement with his company. Pro said that he'd help with repairs of the jet. And like I mentioned a second ago, Pro was a con man. He was part of a larger group called the Fraternity, which, oh man, what a cool group that is. That's actually part of a larger organized crime. By the spring of 1977, the Presley estate had lost over a million dollars. Here's a little intro into what Operation Fountain Pen was all about. What's the importance of the Presley case in Operation Fountain Pen? Well, the Presley case was the catalyst case for the FBI to stop temporarily the illegal activity of at least two members of the fraternity. What do you mean temporarily? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the fraternity was an organization that comprised 30 to 40 of the world's top con men. Now, the Presley case involved only two members of the fraternity. Now, this organization was still going around, you know, everywhere around the world, defrauding people after the Presley case was done, but temporarily they succeeded in, it, in stopping the fraternity. They then present this crazy timeline. Okay, March 4th, 1977. Elvis took his last leisure trip with friends. He behaved unusually, almost as if he was saying goodbye. But wasn't he also on like massive drugs at this point? He sure was. Okay. 6-29-77. Elvis gives his last concert in Indianapolis. 7-26-77. FBI says investigation into Frederick Peter Pro has enough evidence to go to a grand jury. Early August 1977, Elvis desperately tried to reach President Carter to discuss urgent personal business. August 15th, 1977, fountain pen case ready to go to jury. August 16th, 1977, the next day, Elvis dies. And then on October 18th, 1977, four members of the fraternity are arrested. Could this timeline have led to Elvis faking his own death? No. No, he's he's a victim in the in this thing. He's not he's not part of the fraternity. He's a victim of it. It's a con. Yeah, but but you don't know what the fraternity the you know they could go after Elvis for what for what because he got involved in bad business dealings. That makes him a bad businessman. It doesn't make him a criminal. But don't tell that to these fans, Rob. Okay, because this is all adding up to them. That's like saying that the Bernie Madoff victims are somehow involved with birdie no th th these people are victims elvis was a victim of a con well i bet if you went to, to gail with this bernie idea she would probably listen to you <laughs> elvis presley is bernie Madoff. yeah exactly 
Luke Dion says that looking at the fraternity's background, that it's justifiable that Elvis faked his own death because he was scared of him. He thinks he's living in witness protection now, but that Elvis has been updating his own files several years after his death. Didn't the fraternity get arrested? Four of the members, but it was part of bigger organized crime. So so really, no answers, just outlandish theories. It's ridiculous. So there really wasn't a single answer in any of these five theories, just a bunch of insane evidence and taped phone calls that have no way of being fact-checked. So I just want to really quickly introduce you to some of the other folks that we got to meet in this. The special wasn't just limited to these five theories. It also introduced us to other people investigating whether Elvis was still alive, and it also revealed some interesting facts. One of those facts was that they held an open casket funeral for fans to come and pay their respects to Elvis. That had to have been an absolute nightmare, first off, just crowds. And second, oh, look, there's Elvis in an open casket. Oh, nope, but he's still not dead. That cousin Gino is telling you about Elvis's cousin. He wasn't convinced that it was Elvis in the casket. Here's cousin Gene. When we viewed the body for the last time, I stood there quite a while looking at looking at his hands and uh, of course he was always breaking bricks with his hands and he had calluses on the bottom of his hand and big old rough looking knuckles. His nose would look kinda of puggy looking and his right sideburn was sticking out straight out about looked about an inch. And his hairline was looked as if it had been a, a hairpiece or something glued on somewhere. It just didn't look right. And uh, his hands was just as smooth as a, a newborn's baby's behind, you know. And it seemed like it was sweating on his, around his hairline. It could have been sweat, it could have been glue, I don't know. But uh, I just didn't believe it was him. I fucking love Cousin Gene. Cousin Gene's one of my favorite people that I've found in this whole, doing this whole show. Let's meet one of the other folks. Oh, Jesus. Maria Columbus. She's something else. I told you about her earlier. She was the president of the Elvis fan club. She says that she called Vernon Presley, Elvis's dad, to confirm that Elvis died. <laughs> man mourn exactly what a fucking invasion of privacy like he called her back and told her that the fans shouldn't come yet because it was too hectic and that was she didn't think that was good maria believes that vernon didn't want the fans to come because they would have noticed things that just didn't add up Maria thinks that getting there early would have been embarrassing to the family. And when Maria and friends got to Graceland, Elvis was already in the mausoleum. So there was no way for her to be able to check, you know. And she's the president of the fan club. And she has every right to check. She should have been buried with him. And she even says that the funeral was like a carnival atmosphere. And that people were selling t-shirts, Cokes, and popcorn. While fans posed for photos with security guards. She said... We felt nothing of Elvis. Because they were so close. Yeah. Listen, Maria, people mourn differently. Chill the fuck out. You didn't even know this man. You didn't know him. Maria said that her and other fans got a hold of the inventory of Elvis's estate and that there were things missing. Get a load of this. There were so many things missing that should have been on there. I mean, uh, personal items that you were aware of? Right. Um, Elvis's diaries were not listed. His journals. Mm-hmm. 
there was even a plane missing. Um, he was listed as having six or seven pieces of jewelry, and, you know, I'm sure you know Elvis had more jewelry than that. Oh, yeah. No photographs of his mother listed. Um, none of his daughter. But he had quite a number of photographs of his yeah. mother, if I remember correctly. Right. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm confused. They itemized his estate? Yeah. And when she went there, items were, that were listed were not there? No, she said that a lot of items that she knew he had were not on, on, the, on, the, on the inventory. But she knew of, uh, she knew, must have known of everything Elvis had. Oh, my God. She fucking must have known everything. She said photos, family photos. Family maybe, fo- maybe the dad the family, has them. Exactly. They're family photos, Maria. I not know. your photos. Yeah. You're not part of this family, Maria. Now, I'm going to close out this presentation with, there was a couple times during this where Bill Bixby opened it up for people to call in and ask questions of any of the panelists. These are a few of the decent ones, but the rest are just garbage. So one caller asks, if Elvis isn't buried at Graceland, then where is he buried? Gail replies, I don't think he's buried at all. Another caller asks Gail, with all of the evidence proving that Elvis did in fact die, how would it be possible that he's still alive? Another caller asks, if he's still alive, why is Elvis in hiding? Gail answers both of these questions in the vein of, stay tuned, we'll answer those questions. Here's the thing, they don't answer the questions, it's just experts and fans with opinions. The show literally... It drove me crazy watching it, drove me crazy again writing about it, now it's driving me crazy talking about it. And now I'm hoping that you're enjoying it, dear, dear audience. One man called in with a question for Gail, Maria, and the LAPD detective Monty, asking if any of them have taken a lie detector test. Asking if they take a lie detector test is a stupid question. Because they they think he's alive. Exactly. I'm actually starting to believe he is alive to get away. And he's like, I don't want to deal with these people Look, anymore. This is the worst phone call of them all. Hello. We have Scarla from Gainesville, Georgia. Hello. How are you? I'm just fine. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, Miss Giorgio as to why the family or no one will allow the body to be exhumed. Why won't the family let the body be exhumed? Because they buried their son, their father, their boyfriend, their cousin. That's why they don't want it exhumed. I had to pause the show when I heard this shit. I mean, I like literally had to like walk away. And you know perfectly well if they exhumed that body and they were like, yes, this is Elvis, people would still go, no, it's not. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Now I'm going to close out with my favorite call from the show. It was in the first round of all the calls of I think there's three or four. So it had to have been hell in the control room for letting this through. It wouldn't be a ridiculous call-in show in the early 90s if prank caller Captain Jenks from the Howard Stern Show didn't call into the show. Oh, no. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Bill. Uh, I'd like to know why the reason that you didn't call up Howard Stern today like you promised. Why I didn't call whom? Howard Stern, the radio personality. This is Captain Jenks. Oh, hi. Well, I couldn't call Howard Stern because I was a little bit busy here with about 14 interviews and a show to rehearse. And an you lied, Bill. I did? Yes, you did. That's very naughty. Shame on me. <laughs> Do we have another reasonable caller, please? I love how indignant Bill Bixby is. He's like, I have work to do. Plus, I had tickets to the Legend Show. <laughs> they have a Stevie Wonder that's just great. He can really play the piano. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was the best I could do to try to explain the Elvis files. I had to go into it with an open mind like Bill asked, but my common sense came through and, well, sorry, Bill. I just think people have to accept that Elvis is dead. Now, after the break, 
We'll open up our files to discuss the Elvis files and see if we can figure out why it was necessary to make this thing. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Welcome back. I'm still Bill Bixby. As we discussed before the break, no one has seen or heard from George Gaines ever since they wrapped filming on Punky Brewster back in 1988. That was two years ago. The actor who played Punky's adopted dad, Henry Warnemont, hasn't been heard from since. We're here to shed some light on some mysteries that have been surrounding this case for a while, and talk to people who think they've seen George Gaines in places as varied as a Marie Callender's in Toledo, Ohio, and even in Argentina with escaped Nazi war criminal Kurt Waldheim in a community theater production of Don't Drink the Water. Don't forget that we are live, and you can call in with your theories on Is George Gaines Alive? Okay, first caller, are you there? Hello? Hello, uh, with whom am I speaking? This is George Gaines. <gasps> calm down, audience, calm down. The whole point of this show is to prove if George Gaines is still alive, and if he is, is this actually him? Sir... Can you give us some information to prove that you were really George Gaines? Why, yes, I can. I was there when Salil Moonfry had to add Salil to her name because there was another Moonfry in SAG. You'll have to do better than that. I'm often recognized for being that creepy old man with the camera who locked Cherry in a refrigerator. Need more. For two years, I was engaged in an open relationship with Punky's dog, Brandon, as well as the goldfish I carried in the Police Academy movies. Sorry, we're gonna have to hang up on this prankster, as he is not telling us anything that would identify him as acclaimed television actor George Gaines. Wait! I was born on May 16th, 1917. <gasps> oh my god. We found him! We found George Gaines! He's alive! Wow. May I ask you a question now, Bill? Of course, George, of course. What's it like to suck Howard Stern's dick? Excuse me? I said, what's it like to suck Howard Stern's dick? Ba-ba-booey! Very funny, George. Uh, join us next week when we ask, is my career still alive? Good night. Thank you. This was a sketch. The Elvis file shouldn't have a major legacy in pop culture, but... I'm incredibly biased after this, and maybe if I were to sit down and watch it without taking notes, I would have been able to enjoy it a little bit, but I doubt it. I could have laughed at it more, but man, this is only really worth being remembered to laugh at the ridiculousness of it. I just, I can't handle this. Bill Bixby and Gail Brewer Giorgio decided to make a second television special the next year, 1992, called The Elvis Conspiracy. I just don't think I could ever watch it. I, I have too much self-respect and don't don't need any more goddamn triggers. Sadly, Bill passed away in 1993, but Gail is still at it, running a Facebook group now because the internet is just ripe for Gail's uh, grabbing. Could you imagine what the chat rooms would have been like in 1977, though, if they had chat rooms when Elvis died? The internet would have shut down with all this bullshit. Raceland Guy 22 says, Conspiracy theories have always been around and seem to only get worse over time. More and more get sucked into something because they want answers to something that they don't have an answer to. Hello, QAnon. Sadly, because people didn't think that Elvis dying was a good enough answer, they had to search for it. When Elvis died, fans took it rough. It had to have been easy to fall into a hole of trying to figure out answers as to why the man died, if he actually died. Well, I'm going to break it to you. He did die. 
He was extremely unhealthy. He treated his body like shit, took daily cocktails of any pill he could get, and he died on his porcelain throne. Maybe it was the fact that fans couldn't accept that he died the way he did, and they expected something more from the man they idolized for all these years. So maybe it was the fact that Elvis literally died on a toilet reading a magazine about Jesus, and that wasn't that wasn't beautiful enough for them. Mind you, it is a sad way to go for anyone, and especially one of the biggest pop fucking stars, musicians of all time, but that's how he went. Now, don't get me wrong. I respect the man. I think he was an incredible performer, and he had an amazing career. He did have his faults, and I certainly don't put him on any pedestals. Miss Liza Minnelli is on my pedestal, and she always will be. But I can accept he died. Yes, it was before I was born, but I've never questioned it. I've never needed to, and goddammit, I never will now. You, you want to play a game, buddy? Yes. Hold on. I need a cigarette. This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Well, thank you very much, Rob. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ray. That's my Elvis impression. I was going to say, now do it as Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) The Roger Clinton was great, but can you do Elvis? (laughs) Roger Clinton? (laughs) Uh, That's my Elvis Costello. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's dead on. South Britain. Yeah. So, yeah. That's sort of what I was going for. Uh, Elvis Presley, alive, dead. What do you guys think? He's Did you dead. guys determine? He's dead. dead? He's oh, dead. No, without a question. But not in my heart. In my heart, he's very much alive. That's the most important. And in a lot of people's hearts, he's very much alive. In fact, as far as Elvis impersonations go, I know we have one in the family. Yes. So it's a very, very special thing. So there's a lot of Elvis impersonators out there. Some of them are great, mm-hmm. like your father. Mm-hmm. But some of them are a little shoddy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you find somebody wandering around probably the Sunset Strip might not be up to snuff for <laughs> Elvis. So we're going to discern the real Elvis from the fake Elvis in a little game called... I think that might be Elvis. Okay. 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 So you guys are going to work separately. It's another lightning round. Oh, I've got okay. nine questions for each of you. Mm. I will read an alternate title for a well-known Elvis song. For example, if I said, Sad Yuletide. Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas is exactly right. So that's the basic vibe of this game. And get as many as you can. Nine questions each. Rob, you're going to start this time. No assistance, plummeting to passion. Falling in love. Fall, uh, I can't help falling in love with yes, you. Yes, correct. Dubious wits. Dubious wits? Dubious wits. I don't know, pass. Penitentiary solid mineral. Jailhouse rock. During the barrio. The ghetto? In the ghetto, yes. Act not diabolical. Don't be cruel. Correct. Harass mutt. Uh, hound dog. At this moment or when pigs fly. Now or never. Scorching doting. Heat wave? No, um... I don't know. Un poco menos talkie talkie. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? (laughs) Un poco menos talkie talkie. A little bit of Rita is all I need. Not a Lou Vega song. A little less conversation. A, a little, little less conversation. I don't know that song. Action. Oh, Rob. You're it was all about a little less conversation. It was a number one in the 2000s because it made it into a, a commercial. Mm, okay. Resurgence for Elvis. Let's see. You got Can't Help Falling in Love. You did not get Suspicious Minds. Was Dubious Wits. Oh, thank you. Fuck. I couldn't think of the wit one. Of course it was Suspicious Minds. You got Jailhouse Rock. You got it In the Ghetto. Uh, Act Not Diabolical. Don't Be Cruel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hound Dog, you got that. It's Now or Never. Mm-hmm. Scorching Doting, Burning Love. Oh! And uh, Un Poco Menos, Talkie Talkie, A Little Less Conversation. 
I'm getting all the B-side and movie songs, I think, now. So these are all songs that you heard rehearsed in the basement growing up. Oh. <laughs> I, I probably know all these word for word. <laughs> yeah. You could sing the goofy lyrics. Here we go. Be you isolated this eve? Are you lonely tonight? Utterly convulsed and elevated. Um, up. Something up. Uh, next. Azure napped leather clogs. Blue suede shoes. Cherish yours truly, compassionately. Love me tender? Yes. Restore to transmitter. Return to sender. Correct. Exist the strip. Uh, uh, Viva Las Vegas. There it is. Love Lorn Lodge. Love Lorn Lodge. Oh, Heartbreak Hotel. Nailed it. And Quietude in the Hollow. Uh, it, uh, Quietude in the Hollow. Oh, God, sorry. I saw the In the Ghetto stuck in my head. Lord help me, Jesus. No, but here's the last one. Eternally atop thine perception. Always on my mind? That is correct. Yes. You got, are you lonesome tonight? Uh, I don't think you got all shook up. Utterly convulsed and elevated. Ah, all shook God up. damn it. You got blue uh-huh. suede shoes. You uh-huh. got love me tender. Return to center. Viva Las Vegas. Heartbreak Hotel. Peace in the Valley. Pe- was quietude in the hollow. in the Valley. Mark, thank you so much for that, folks. If you, what do you think? Is Elvis alive? Is he dead? Have you seen him if he is alive? If so, where? Ray, uh, where will you be performing your tribute to Elvis show? The City of Glendora. Ooh, when's that going to be? That will be uh, August 2023. And who's your opening act? It's I have a Neil Diamond impersonator that I'm trying out. And if he doesn't work out, then I'm going back to the Wayne Newton guy. But he left because jobs opened back up after quarantine. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, see you all in Glendora for Glendora's 77th anniversary. Thank you. Thank you very much. A little less conversation, a little more action. How do you not know that song? Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cutcut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 